0: Hey everyone, welcome back to Ascension Ministries Anchored Podcast. Today we are in Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6 reads He went away from there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. And he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about among the villages teaching. And he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, No bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. And he said to them, Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you, and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that the people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. King Herod heard of it, for Jesus' name had become known. Some said, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead. That is why these miraculous powers are at work in him. But others said he is Elijah, and others said he is a prophet, like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard of it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. For it was Herod who had sent and seized John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because he had married her. For John had been saying to Herod, it's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to put him to death, but she could not. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and he kept him safe. When he had heard him, he was greatly perplexed, and yet heard him gladly. But an opportunity came when Herod, on his birthday, gave a banquet for his nobles, the military commanders, and the leading men of Galilee. For when Herodias's daughter came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests. And the king said to the girl, "'Ask me whatever you wish, and I will give it to you.' And he vowed to her, "'Whatever you ask me, I will give you, up to half my kingdom.' And she went out and said to her mother, "'For what should I ask?' And she said, The head of John the Baptist. And she came in immediately with haste to the king and asked, saying, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And the king was exceedingly sorry, but because of his oath and his guests, he did not want to break his word to her. And immediately the king sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. And he went and beheaded him in prison and brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl. And the girl gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard of it, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. Then he commanded them to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all, and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were five thousand men." But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. And they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. When he had crossed over, they came to the land of the Gennesaret and moored to the shore. And when they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized them and ran about the whole region and began to bring the sick people on their beds to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he came in villages, cities, or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched it were made well. Today we have one of our student ministry leaders sharing the nugget of truth for us. Lisa, take it away.
1: All right. So great to be here. Um just a passage full of lots of different accounts, real life accounts with Christ. And something that stood out to me the most in this passage was and when I like to read scripture, you guys, I like to look for A characteristic of the Lord and the characteristic of the Lord that stood out to me in all of these snapshots and accounts with Christ was his authority. You see his authority just over the leadership in the first couple verses. And then you see his authority in sending out the disciples. You see his authority in. John the Baptist's life and John the Baptist's boldness and response to continue forward and pursue and persevere in the faith before Herod. You also see Christ's authority in the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 and just what that looked like and how he was also teaching the disciples too. You see his authority when he walks on water over nature. So it's also not just authority over people and their lives and the word of God when he was talking to the leadership, but it was his authority over nature and how he is in control of all things. And then also you see his authority over human lives and bodies and the healing of the sick to close out this chapter. And so that stood out to me, just Christ's authority um, in all these different ways and How does that play out in our lives, you guys? And I see that in the boldness when the 12 apostles were sent out. He had authority over that, but they proclaimed that people should repent and they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. And that takes a boldness and a faith to step up, to come up under Christ and his teaching in the Bible. And it's the Bible's authority and what the Bible says. And then you also see just. The boldness of John the Baptist and holding fast to what was true in his mission and the call on his life and what that looked like before Herod, and that was not easy for him. And so those are just some takeaways that I had both to look at Christ, what is his character, what is God's character, but also to look at what does that mean for us and what is the call to action in our lives with not only authority of Christ, but the authority of Scripture and just walking that out in boldness.
0: That's so good, Lisa. I just appreciate how you have taken and shown us how we can see this thread of authority throughout the chapter and then taking it the next step further. What are we called to do with that? Because I think here about this boldness that you're talking about with John the Baptist, that didn't end well for John the Baptist. That didn't mean that his life got easier. And that's going to be something we're going to talk about over and over and over again as we walk through this, that as we are called to follow Jesus, he's not promising that our life is going to be easy, but he's promising that he's going to be with us. He's going to be beside us. He's going to equip us with his Holy Spirit and everything we need. We're really going to see that on display at the end of chapter 8 when he lays out the cost of discipleship. But even the next chapter, he's going to talk about what his end is ultimately in terms of the suffering that he will have for his witness to people as well. And so I love that you've tied his authority And His authority is what motivates our boldness and challenges us to follow Him. And so, as we think about that, one of the questions that comes out of that thought, for me, in looking back here specifically at these miracles that we have, we want to believe that Jesus has the authority to do these things. But it's really hard for us to wrap our minds around Did Jesus really walk on water? Did he really feed the 5,000? Did he really do these miracles? Because we've seen other people fake miracles or other people fake miraculous healings and other things like that. We didn't see this with our own eyes. So we have to believe by faith. But why is it hard for us to have faith in that authority? What is it that we can look to for truth and for faith as we wrestle with, can these miracles be true?
1: So I want to zoom in um, to answer your question onto one passage. If you go back and look at Mark 6, um, 30 is where it starts, where he feeds the 5,000. The application that I see here is how did the disciples respond to what Christ said needed to happen? Christ said, let's feed them. And they turned horizontally and externally. And they were like, well, we got to go to town and we got to get the money and we got to buy them the food. But how did Christ respond? He took what was given to him. He looked up to the Father. He prayed a blessing over it and trusted God with it. And then, out of the overflow of that trust and faith in what God could do with the circumstance, 5,000 people were fed. And so, it was a teaching point for the disciples to instead of look quick to fix the situation, how can I, how can I How can I do this? How can I do that? What's going to happen? Looking back at the past and despairing over past situations, looking forward to the future with anxiety, Christ was teaching them in that moment through a miracle, faith and reliance and trust in God to be the provider and the satisfier. And so it says in verse 42, and they all ate and were satisfied. And there was more than enough. And so I think it's a really good picture and illustration how the disciples were still learning. You know, they weren't perfect. It was sanctification for them, but they were quick to look to their horizontal circumstances where Christ was quick to look to the Father. To be able to provide for people. And also in that passage a little bit before, it says, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Still the same section right before he feeds the 5,000. But it's also a good perspective and remembrance that, like, that turning to God because he is the good shepherd and he cares and provides and satisfies and takes care. And so I I look at all of that and I see just how the disciples were learning and teaching. But we see, like I said, Christ's authority and how he ultimately went to God to go before and doing the miracle.
0: That's so good. And focusing us from looking at the horizontal and wanting to explain, hey, how practically could this happen? What what would need to happen for Jesus to walk on water or to feed these 5,000 people or to heal these sick people? And instead focusing on what is the all-powerful God of the universe capable of doing when we hand him our situation? So good for us to think on. Because like you've said, the purpose of these miracles was to build the faith in the disciples. The purpose of our account of reading these miracles is to build our faith in the Father. And so we need to understand He is the Good Shepherd. He possesses all those things for us. We need to look to Him in faith and trust Him in the same way that the disciples looked and said, we can't do this. How are we going to do this? And He said, I'll show you. So we give him an opportunity to create and instill faith in us when we look to him to grow that faith, when we look to him to be the one who satisfies us. So good for us today, Lisa. Thanks so much for sharing. As always... Look through this passage. Look for a question for yourself that you can find the answer to. Speak with others about that. Study God's word together. Learn from that so that we're collectively growing as a community of believers, so that we're able to understand the way in which God is revealing himself to us in a greater way. And know today that as we pursue that, we are loved by him.